Good morning, church. We have all this stuff to set up because we're going to actually have a lot of fun, right? Because learning God's word is a lot of fun. We've got stuff up here for those of you who can't see in the back. We've got some fidget spinners that we're going to be looking at later. And the kids are going to help with the scripture reading this morning. And Christopher, I'm going to give you this microphone. Right into it. Mm -hmm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I have given to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them onto your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So I'll ask you guys to have a seat. Christopher, you can join your sister before I lose you up here. And you'll come back later to help, okay? Such a privilege to be able to share with you this morning. And I'm so thankful because the children have grown up in this church and they've learned about God's ways here. The passage we were just reading talks exactly about that, about this message that is so important that we're supposed to talk about it, that we're supposed to have it on our mind and in our heart when we're coming and when we're going, in our getting up and in our going. And as we read this passage, we saw that it started out talking about God's love, that we are to love God. And we know that scripture tells us that God loved us first. And then we hear that there's, there's these commands that we're supposed to be talking about a lot. And so we would wonder, what are these commands? What, are, what is this all about that is so important that we need to teach our children? So for the kids that, that are up here today, when we hear the word command, that's start, starting to sound a little bit serious, right? What is a command? And so one of the things that's really important when we're studying scripture is that we look back and we look forward, right? When we're interpreting scripture, that we don't just take a verse. So if we look back from Deuteronomy 6, what comes before Deuteronomy 6 would be Deuteronomy 5, and that's where we actually find the Ten Commandments. So for those of you kids that weren't here a few weeks ago, Pastor Sheldon was actually up here preaching a sermon and he was talking about how we are deeply loved by God. And he actually made reference to the Ten Commandments. Maybe we'll ask, we'll see if the grown-ups remember what Pastor Sheldon was saying. Okay, let's see. The grown-ups are trying to remember. What did Pastor Sheldon say came before the Ten Commandments that was so important? Some people from the 9 o'clock service look like they remembered. We won't put anybody on the spot. But Pastor Sheldon, when he was talking to us about God's love and how we are God's beloved, Pastor Sheldon was saying that the verse that comes before the Ten Commandments says the following. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Well, why is that important? It's important because before God gives the rules or the guidelines or the commandments, he says something really important. He says, you belong to me. Before we hear the commandments, we are told that we are deeply loved. So they come out of love. 
And to explain that a little bit better, I brought something. What's here to my left? Got something yellow that's actually about to blow away. For the people in the back, you can't see. Got a balloon here, and I want to tell you a story. And I have permission to tell this story about when Sarah was, this was before Christopher was born. So when Sarah was about four years old, we went to a birthday party. And after the birthday party, they gave us a few balloons for Sarah to, to take home, which was nice. But we had just spent, you know, two hours with 26-year-olds. So, oh, it was a lot of balloons to take into the car. I know some of your parents have had that happen before. So here we were driving in the car trying to keep these balloons and trying to look in the rearview mirror. Anyhow, we needed to make a stop and do some shopping at Sherwood Gardens in the parking lot. So we were in the parking lot after coming in from our shopping, and guess what happened? Came back to the car, we opened the door, and when we opened the door, the balloon came flying out, and there was wind, so there goes the balloon. And what do you guys think? What do you guys think Sarah did? What do you think she did? She, yeah, that's right, he, she went chasing after the balloon. And now, was that wrong, really, that she was chasing after the balloon? Was that a bad thing? No, probably not. But guess what? She didn't know that in that parking lot, there was a big, gigantic SUV coming around the corner really super fast. They really shouldn't be going that fast in the parking lot. But she didn't see it. She didn't see it. Why do you think she didn't see it? Because she was doing what? She was looking at the, yeah, because she was so focused on the balloon. She wanted her balloon. And, and wanting the balloon, maybe it wasn't a bad thing. She was just trying to get it. And guess what happened? What do you think her dad did? Her dad, seeing that she was in need, what do you think her dad did? That's right. You're right. He ran after her. Not only did he run after her, but he kind of yelled. And he said, stop. And he, like, went right in front of her. And she was like, oh, she had not been used to hearing her daddy scream like that. And then also just kind of like he kind of jumped in front of her. But did he do that to be unkind? No, right? He did that to protect her because he knew what was good for her and he could see what was coming. So when we think about the commandments or the rules or the guidelines that we see in the Older Testament, that we see in the Bible, we have to remember, maybe you guys will remember the balloon and you'll think, oh, God sends me these guidelines, these ways of living because he knows what's good for me because he loves me. So that's what we're talking about today, that God gives us these guidelines, this path, this way of living. And to explain that a little bit more, we're going to look at a story in the New Testament from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12. Now kids, as you're listening to this story, we're going to explain it in a really different way, in a new way for us. So listen to the story and just think about it in your minds. That can help us when we're studying scripture, to kind of imagine the story that we're hearing about. So for those of you that have your Bibles, we're actually reading, I think it's from the message, but it's Mark chapter 12. Then Jesus started telling them stories. A man planted a vineyard. He fenced it in dug a wine press, erected a watchtower, turned it over to the farmhands, and he went off on a trip. At the time for harvest, he sent a servant back to the farmhands to collect his profits. They grabbed him, beat him, and sent him off empty-handed. 
So he sent another servant. That one they tarred and feathered. He sent another one, and that one they killed. And on and on, many others. Some they beat up, some they killed. Now listen to this part. Finally, there was only one left, a beloved son. In a last-ditch effort, he sent him, thinking, surely they'll respect my son. But those farmhands saw their chance. They rubbed their hands together in greed and said, This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, killed him, and threw him over the fence. Wow, that sounds like a pretty serious story. Now, in the time that it was written, as we know, Jesus used a lot of examples that talked about sowing and reaping, about mustard seeds, about planting, about harvest. And that's because at the time, a lot of people worked the land. And so it made sense to them, right? They, the stories actually were relevant to them. So what we're going to do today, and I'm going to ask the kids to come up and help me and see if we can make this story a little bit relevant to us. Christopher's already getting up here. Come on up, Christopher. For those of you that are in the back and you can't see, we have a table up here where Christopher has three toys, fidget spinners. That's right. They're fidgets, fidget spinners. The new trend. That's what Christopher's telling, telling us all. So what we're going to use this story for is to help us understand the story we read in Mark 12. So let's just say that the owner of the fidget spinners, for those of you that are in the back, is these things that you spin around. The owner of these fidget spinners is going to give the, lend them. Really important. He's going to lend them to Christopher, and he's going to say, you need to take care of these. And your job, Christopher, is to spin them and to keep them spinning. But you don't own them. I'm just giving them to you, just lending them to you. So then guess what happened? The owner decided to send someone to talk to Christopher with a really important message. But what does Christopher do? What do you think he's going to do? He doesn't listen to the message, and he actually stops the person. Then he sent another person, and what does Christopher do? He, gets, he starts acting like a bully. He beats up the, the, the helper that I sent, which is unkind. But you got to keep spinning your things. Don't get too caught up in all of the, the beating up here. It keeps spinning. So then the owner of the spinners... Sends who of the fidget spinners? Sends his son. And he's thinking, oh, surely they, he won't harm my son. And Christopher actually acts like a really, really, really bully. And he actually kills the son. And that's the end of you, Christopher. That's the, thank you for your help. <clears throat> As it turns out, God the Father sent many messengers. We call them prophets, right? Many messengers in the Old Testament that came. And yes, we know that the prophets came and they had a specific message at specific times about anoint this king, about do this, about do that. They also came to point to the coming Messiah. They came with the message of the upcoming plan of redemption that God had for us. He sent prophets with a message. These prophets were not heard. 
There's other messages that the prophets had. And if we look in the Older Testament, if we read Isaiah, we hear that there was a message that was really important on God's heart. He talked about it often. He talked about something that he called us to do. Because remember what we're talking about? This message, this way of living, this way of being that's actually good for us, right? This way of living, these guidelines. And one of the things that we see in the Older Testament from the prophets is this theme, this idea that God actually really cares for the poor. How many of you have seen that in the Older Testament? That God has a special place in his heart for the poor. And when we read that, we can see it very many different parts of the Older Testament. And we can see it in Isaiah. We can see it in Isaiah 58. And there's this beautiful passage that talks about this very message that is on God's heart. In Isaiah 58, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Listen to this part. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? If we skip down to verse 10, we see, and I love this verse, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. If you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry, I love that. There's this idea that we're supposed to do something with great effort, that we're supposed to care for others, that we're supposed to be a blessing. Almost, It almost sounds like until you get tired, right? What does that mean? Spend yourself, right? Until you get tired. And this is part of this message. I would suggest that this is part of this message that we're supposed to share with our children, that we're supposed to teach them, that God cares about the poor. And, and we see this idea that it's because we're family. Just think, kids, if you're at home and you were having your dessert and you're having, what's our favorite dessert, like apple pie? Ice cream. I thought someone might say ice cream. Just think if you're at home and your mom was giving out the pie, how would it feel if mom just didn't give one, one of us, one of our brothers and sisters, a piece of pie? Wouldn't it be lovely if we could share wouldn't it be lovely if we considered others like our brothers and sisters and we could share? So when we think about this idea about the poor, sometimes we wonder, well, who, who are we responsible for? Who are the poor? Is it people that need a shelter? Is it people that, that don't have food to eat? Well, one of my teachers in the seminary talked about this, Victor Shepherd. He says, in ancient Israel, the poor were commonly gathered up in the expression widows and orphans and sojourners. Sojourners. How many of us know what a sojourner is? A sojourner is someone who, for whatever reason, was traveling through and they needed help. 
Who else needs our assistance? Widows. Why did widows need help? Because they didn't have a way to make money because they lived in a society where the wage earners were exclusively male. Who else needed help? Orphans. What did all of these people have in common? They were vulnerable. That's a big word, vulnerable. What does vulnerable mean? It just means someone that needs help. For whatever reason, needs our assistance. I was so happy when I opened the bulletin and there was a, in the middle of it, there was a plea for Sudan. Right? So then we wonder, well, are we supposed to help globally or locally? Are we supposed to help only overseas, here? I would say all of it, right? I think we're all called to do different things in different ways. Some of us in this church will sort clothes on a Saturday. Some of us will go to Scott Mission or the Open Door or Oasis like you've done in the past. Some of us will go on mission trips. And it's a blessing and a privilege to do what God, what is on God's heart, what I would suggest is on God's heart. Maybe not, maybe we can't say that God favors the poor. We can just say that he wants us to care for those that, for whatever reason, need help. And I would also say that if we can do that in a posture of learning, understanding that God is with all of us, and that as we go, we are blessed. I've been working with vulnerable women for 16 years, and I would just like to share about these women that I have worked with who have experienced abuse growing up and have been come out of domestic violence. I have seen that God is with them. And I have seen that they are incredibly strong, and I have seen resilience, and I have seen hope, and I have been blessed, me, Sometimes we think, I'm going to go and help. Guess what? We receive. We receive. So, what is another message that we can discern from the prophets? Who were they pointing to? Who were they talking about in the Older Testament? They were pointing to the cross, right? And that's another thing that gathers us here today. One prophet, Jeremiah, when talking about the upcoming birth of Jesus, he talks about a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 32 says, That's right, the time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with Israel and Judah. It won't be a repeat of the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, even though I did my part as their master. So Jeremiah, another one of these prophets, these messengers, remember these, these messengers were sent to try to talk to Christopher with this message that he didn't, he didn't listen. They were talking about God's care for the poor, and they were also talking about God's plan for humanity, God's plan of redemption, that there was going to come a day when Christ was going to come, and because of the cross, we would have everlasting life. I want to I wanna show you what's on the back of this balloon, because it has to do with what we're talking about. Because of the cross, we have a new identity. Because of the cross, we are told that we are the beloved of God. 
And when I was when I was 17, a youth pastor told me to do something. A youth pastor said, I want you to write down a question. Oh, let's see. Okay. Where are the kids? You can see what that question is. Somebody, yeah, what does it say? Yeah, who am I? So this pastor told me to write down this question, and he said, a youth pastor, he said, put it on a piece of paper and put it where you're going to look most. And I have to be honest, at the time, I put it close to my mirror. And if I, if I put this sign up today, I think it's probably going to be beside the fridge. <laughs> the answer to this question, <laughs> who am I? The answer to this question, that we are deeply loved by God, we spend most of our time, most of our life, on this question. Who am I? I am deeply loved by God. Because what ends up happening is that we spend a lot of our time trying to answer this question in different ways. That maybe I am my job, I am my education, I am my role, I am the perfect mom, or I am an attempt at this, I am this. There's nothing wrong with an education or a home. But this, the answer to this question, that we are deeply loved, this is what carries us through life. One author says the following about prayer. Prayer is listening to that voice, the one who calls you the beloved. It is constantly going back to the truth of who we are and claiming it for ourselves. Listen to this. I am not what I do. I am not what people say about me. I am not what I have. Although there is nothing wrong with success, nothing wrong with popularity. Finally, my spiritual identity is not rooted in the world. The things the world gives me, my life is rooted in my spiritual identity. So as we walk away today, hopefully God is speaking and reminding us that he sent his son, whom he loved, so that we would know that we are the beloved, that we are loved. And it is out of this love that we then work with the poor. It is out of this love that we then evangelize, right? Because that's exactly what we're doing when we evangelize. We're saying, guess what? I, I am deeply loved, and so are you. When Christopher was little, ever since he was little, I had one question for him that I've asked him so much. <laughs> I also told him what I expected the answer to be. Christopher, what was the question mommy always asked me? I said, who are you? I can't hear you. The beloved. Just in my desire that he would grow up knowing that. That is the message for us today. Write it on your doorposts. <laughs> In him we live, live and breathe and have our being. And he loves us deeply. May this be true for us today. <laughs>